Hello, and welcome to Everything Remade, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Sean Decker, and I'd like you to hear something. Tired of Being Tired of Being Tired by Cassis, featuring my pal Natty Peterkin on vocals. The song comes from their 2018 LP Separation Anxiety, which you should definitely listen to in full. So I was born in Norwich, England, and uh, my family life was, I guess, alternative. Maybe you could say not not super not super unusual or anything. But um, my parents were both kind of quite into sort of arts, arts and music kind of things. So I was introduced to that kind of thing pretty early in life. Um, I didn't have any siblings or anything like that growing up, so I guess I had to, um, well, either I had to or I had more opportunity to, whichever way you want to look at it, um, to kind of explore more solitary kind of things to keep myself entertained. So I was I was very into doing kind of drawing and artwork, and then a bit later on I got into playing music and started getting some, some lessons and things when I was a teenager, and... Uh, just went from there really yeah so uh, but my family was uh, very poor the whole time I was growing up as well so I guess that partly is what um got me into the kind of the punk scene and the political side of things was kind of experiencing <laughs> experiencing sort of being on the uh, the receiving end of uh, the unfairness of uh, the class divide and capitalism that kind of stuff which kind of gave me a bit uh, a bit of fire in my belly in terms of the political side of this kind of music that we're in mm. so yeah i guess things like that all kind of contributed to to me getting into this stuff you know like underground music and whatever you want to call it yeah what did your uh, folks do for a living my mum was when i was a kid my mum used to work in a, a preschool but then um when when I think when I maybe was, I was in my early teens or something, she actually decided to go to uni um, as a mature student, which she hadn't had a chance to do when I was younger or before I was born. And um, now she's a, now she's a published poet and she does um, creative writing, teaching as her kind of job when she's not doing working on her books. That's awesome. So. Um, yeah, so I guess I got a lot of my artistic sort of uh, inspiration from her growing up. 
Yeah. And my dad, um, my parents split up when I was pretty young, but my dad's still, you know, he's still in the same city, you know, used to see him regularly, which is good. And he's a uh, creative, but in a different way. He's a web developer, so he's very into the kind of technical um, side of creativity. But he builds websites from from the back end, basically. Yeah, I, I just the reason why I asked that is because you know you uh, you said like you that uh, creativity was like reinforced for you early on, and so um, sometimes it's like interesting to see what kind of um jobs you know the like um someone's parents may have had that like whether whether or not the, their employment would have a um a reason to foster that creativity and stuff and it sounds like you know with your mom like uh it was always like maybe something where she's at now was in the back of her head and so that's you know a reason i, I think it was yeah yeah to definitely like... and sorry what were you saying oh no go ahead oh. yeah i was just gonna say about about your comment about it being in the back of her head i think that was probably i was quite fortunate really to to have to be in that situation where she was kind of wanting to do it because i think she was always keen to sort of do do kind of interesting things with me when i was a kid partly for that reason so she'd she'd kind of uh encourage yeah she'd encourage me to sort of listen to listen to music and um to do drawing and stuff like that whereas i know some parents are very biased against creativity because they see it as a, a waste of time because it's not profitable so i'm quite grateful in that regard that she kind of uh, encouraged it rather than stifled it yeah it's i mean it's it's weird too and um like uh you you know you mentioned like your family's income um when you're yeah. growing up and it's like that's that's yeah, another we thing that factors into it i think is is because like fostering um certain types of creativity and stuff is one of the most like it's something that you can uh spend a lot of time on and not a lot of money if you're if you go about it the right way, you know? So like one, yeah. one of my kids, for example, like he must have like 200 like drawings, like comic strips and stuff, like just on computer paper, you know? And this is like some markers yeah. and, a, and a, a ream of computer paper that costs like four bucks, you know? And he just That's... goes, you know? So... That's great. <laughs> yeah. So it's like people it was that... it was actually exactly the same for me my mom used to my mom used to buy those big packs of computer printed paper so uh -huh. yeah yeah <laughs> he yeah. sounds like a kindred spirit oh yeah for sure it's um yeah it was awesome the other night uh, we actually um i i said i i asked him to say you ever want to do a you ever want to do a comic book with me because um i did one with his older brother when his older brother was about his age and um and he said yeah and uh, he brings the paper in like right away. And I was like, well, uh, you know, I meant like some other time. He said, let's do one now. I said, okay. So we, you know, we sat there and did a, just a one page, you know, story about some cats having a birthday party, but uh, it was a good time. Um, but yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. Um, so you like, 
obviously, you know, uh, um, artwork like, uh, you know, drawing and things like that, that's something that kids can access immediately. Um, so, you know, you're, Mm. you're, you're just doing that, like coming up and, um, but, um, did you, were you, you mentioned later being able to get like lessons like musically, um, but um, were you mm. ever involved in like music at, at school? Um, in the States, it's kind of, depending on where you live, it's kind of standard for, you know, people to uh, have some some school uh, music classes. Um, I'm not sure where, you know, where mm-hmm. you lived, if that was the case. But if so, did you have that experience at all? It was, um, yeah, there was some music teaching, but... Um, I actually found that the music classes I had at school put me off music for a couple of years. And and it, it wasn't until I finished school and um, and sort of rediscovered it for myself that I kind of realized that what had put me off music was was um, the, some of the sub subpar lessons I'd had at school. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I did get uh, they had a in like the I'm trying to think when this was like. Uh, I guess early 2000s is when I was like in um, middle school, like just a few years younger than a teenager. I used to get some free music lessons because um, they had a scheme where low-income family kids could get free music lessons through the school. So I have to give them some credit for that. But unfortunately, the downside of it being a kind of subsidised thing was I think it was a little bit kind of underfunded and not kind of run all that well or at least at the school I went to I'm sure there were some schools that did it better but yeah I had a I had a violin teacher who just kind of didn't really know didn't really know how to kind of um be supportive and kind of kind of um give me positive affirmation that I was making progress and I kind of got a bit frustrated with that and um also as a I think as that scheme, maybe the budget was cut on it or something, but they started getting us to have like group lessons where several of us were in the same lesson with the teacher, but different kids were at different kind of skill levels. So it, it got a bit awkward and I kind of got sick of it back then. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so then I sort of, I didn't really do any music for a handful of years after that. And then I, I got back into it in my kind of, in a kind of stereotypical sort of mid-teens, mid to late teens age where people begin to get into, you know, get seriously into bands and things. And I discovered sort of, um, yeah, like sort of hardcore and more more extreme and like interesting music yeah. that I really related to when I was kind of in that angsty teenage phase. And me and some of my friends were all into into this stuff and that really got me inspired to kind of try it again with music and I paid for some guitar and singing lessons out of my own money actually when I was at college just put money uh, put money aside for them didn't get them the whole time just on and off when I could afford them and um, I enjoyed that a lot more <laughs> yeah now um like uh I've spoken yeah. with, with lots of people that have had um guitar lessons and like that that can vary a whole lot but i've never spoken with anyone that's had um vocal lessons what was that experience like 
It's um, it's varied. Uh, again, like I've had over the years, on and off, I've I've worked with four or five different uh, teachers and or tutors or whatever. Um, some of them probably call themselves different things because of the kind of approach they take. Mm. But um, oh, was that you saying something? Or was that your phone? <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so my experience was when I first started doing some vocal lessons because I mainly because I wanted to start a band with my friends and um I had no idea about vocals. I'd never really been taught how to do it at all and I was really lacking in self-confidence. So um the first time I did it when I was at college, I um I struggled a bit just because I was super shy and self-conscious and I really kind of um seized up a little bit for the first few lessons but kind of forcing myself to to go to these things where I had to sing in front of someone was important for me to get through I think because Mm -hmm. kind of even now I always get some degree of stage fright before a show it's just just seems to be something about my character that I've always got a bit of this kind of social anxiety or something Mm -hmm. so um Kind of making myself go to lessons was in a way maybe partly because I wanted to sort of get past that and overcome that that inhibition that I had. So, yeah, so when I first did sing lessons, I found it really hard is basically what I'm going <laughs> yeah. to summarise it as. But then um, on and off over the years, I've had little periods where I've been able to afford to do sort of lessons here and there, sometimes like a chunk of one a week for a couple of months. Um, that kind of thing. I've never had like one really long ongoing period. Um, but yeah, more recently I've uh, I've had vocal lessons from a guy who's from like a local post-punk band called the Neutrinos. So he kind of understands that kind of like um, DIY underground music sort of um, ethos mm-hmm. a lot better than a lot of teachers do. And I really enjoyed working with him. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of like, what, what kind of exercises are, are they having you do to like, are you working on like range? Cause I mean, you have an incredible range, you know, not to start like, you know, laying the praise on you right away. But, um, yeah, your, your range is ridiculous. Is that something that you've done, spent a lot of time working on? Like, yeah, that is, that is mainly through kind of focused, you know, intentional practice sort of setting goals for things I want to be able to do and sort of working towards them mm-hmm. over time. Like when I first, especially when I first do, started doing screamo vocals, I think the first like, uh, so the first heavy band I was ever in, in my teens was like a really bad deathcore band. <laughs> okay. And um, the first, the first show we ever played, I completely lost my voice for like, um, maybe about half a week afterwards. Like I could not talk at all for a couple of days after the show. So, um, yeah, my voice really was not kind of prepared for doing that kind of vocal work. And, and clearly I was, I was really overdoing it and uh, hurting myself. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I've come a, a super, super long way in terms of ability since then. And that's not, a, <laughs> that's not meant as a kind of, um, giving myself praise where it's like you know I just physically couldn't do stuff back then and I really I had to sort of 
I had to kind of self self assess and kind of um, really consciously think about things that I was going to have to do if I was going to get better. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah exercises. In... Um, pardon? You put in the work, so yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. So a lot of a lot of the things like breathing exercises about kind of breath control and breathing in the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it is psychological about kind of tricking yourself um, into not worrying about things and just kind of like getting into the into the zone with it, which there's lots of uh, lots of different kind of exercises that um, get you to sort of visualize things in mm-hmm. a way that isn't isn't maybe as inhibiting to you as, as some of the ways we might like uh, like when you're going for high notes, one of the worst things you can do is like think right i need to reach up to that high note right yeah so it's more about kind of pulling the sound from inside of you rather than visualizing kind of scrambling up towards something that's out of reach yeah and um it's amazing how much of a difference those kind of psychological um tricks i guess you could call them yeah can make as well one thing that i that one piece of advice that i heard was imagine not that the that the sound is not coming out of the top of your mouth but what about the side what about if if you're going from low to high just imagine it going from one side of your mouth to the other side instead of going up like and that's like i don't you know that i don't know that that's like a universal like bit of advice but it worked for me because it's like you were saying you're always thinking like okay big stretch and then you you're reaching up or you're you know you're trying to really like go go high like go up with it but it's just a different Mm. thing you know and um the other piece of advice that accompanied that was that you don't stretch up to the note you just like see where it is and you go straight there yeah yeah that is um that is a really good piece of advice especially yeah like that thing about um sort of having the note knowing the note that you're going for before it's time to sing it so like so you're not kind of like um tripping over yourself or mm-hmm. like you I, it helps you feel a bit more composed because you're kind of like yeah you've you've set a clear goal for even though it's we're talking about extremely, extremely short-term goals, like you know, one second to the next. Yeah, yeah. But you've kind of, you've kind of consciously identified where you're going, and you can just kind of like, you know, um, you know, it's it's like if you know where you're driving or something, and you know where the corner is, you're going to be prepared to turn that corner. Whereas maybe if you've got a really slow sat nav and it suddenly tells you to turn the corner when you're like halfway past it oh yeah it's going to be a lot more stressful and <laughs> you're much more likely to mess it up oh yeah yeah for sure <laughs> um yeah that's uh, i mean it's it's wild like it, it's 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 obviously it's a ton of work you know and there's no like thing that someone's going to tell you that's going to just like unlock this potential that you have you know or whatever but i i'm one of these people that i just don't i don't i don't like to believe that there's things that other people can do that i couldn't do you know and whether or not i have the time like to get myself to there or and i'm definitely not saying that i'll ever do something as well as someone else will do it you know what I mean? But I, 
and I think this is true for all people. I just don't, you know, like there's different, there's different barriers for everyone, but I think like different thing, things that I've seen in my life have shown me that like with the kind of determination some people have had, you know, and overcome their own personal obstacles that like, you know, someone with a fairly healthy, like body, you know, I, I, I should be able to, you know? So like, um, it's just like, I, I'm always like trying to learn and, and improve and stuff. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't think I'll ever be a good singer, but you know, there's these bits of advice that I have heard. And I'm, I'm always curious, like how other people make that work. Cause that's like, you know, it's like the invisible instrument, you know, like you can't, mm. <laughs> it's not like a guitar. You just like, Hey, put your hand there. And you're like, great, you know, problem solved. It's, it's tricky. Yeah. It's, yeah. I think it is the most, um, at least psychologically, I think it is the most complex instrument, um, in that sense to, to kind of get familiar with because yeah, you can't, you, you can't see it unless, you know, unless you go to one of those, um, things where they put a camera down your throat but even then it's quite abstract yeah yeah um, yeah and also it's one of the most high stakes instruments of course because if you break it you break you and uh you can't replace a string or something like that and you've only got four vocal cords um when, when i was a teenager um one of my friends who was also in that kind of that heavy music scene that i used to hang out in um actually snapped a vocal cord doing a show. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And um, those never come back. They never heal. So now he's just got three vocal cords. And that's that. So um, I'm kind of, I mean, it's awful that it happened and I'm not glad that it happened, but I'm glad that I was made aware of the level of risk maybe at a younger age because of, because of hearing that story and being friends with this guy. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's like, you know, and it's weird how like, um, it's weird how like emotionally impactful music like puts a, they put like a badge of honor on things like that. And I think that's really, I think that's really counterproductive, you know, like. It is. It, I mean, it's a little bit like glamorizing self-harm yeah, in a certain sense. Yeah, because somebody would. I don't think that's ethical. Yeah. If you'd, if you'd, if you'd tell somebody that like some, like in in a group online or something 50 percent of the people would be like that's so badass like that's 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 so, metal yeah that's so this or that's so that you know and you're yeah. like no like no like it we're not saying yeah. you have to know how to do it properly to start a band and to whatever but like don't hurt yourself you know like li live to fight yeah. another day or you know however it however it goes you know um, yeah, I, I definitely agree. There. Yeah. Um, and it is, it is unfortunately, I you know, teenagers, to be blunt, teenagers can be pretty horrible a lot of the time, and <laughs> they do have a bit of a, a tendency to um, to sort of glamorize this kind of shock value stuff. Um, yeah, and and shuck advice, like you know, and just be like, yeah, n never mind, I got this, you know, which guy, because that's I was both of those things, probably, you know, yeah, like, yes, the, the arrogance view for yeah, whatever. Like, you can't tell me how to do this, and like, yeah, 
whatever, I'm invincible, <laughs> you know? like you were also taking guitar lessons so is that like did you um did you play guitar in a in a lot of bands or did you kind of just like you found your niche with vocals or um yeah i never ended up playing guitar in in a band i think um i was gonna be playing bass and doing vocals in in a kind of post hardcore not the um not the kind of post hardcore that you would assume that i mean from casas but actually more like the kind of um unwound love fish kind of stuff um but it fell apart before we managed to do a release unfortunately but uh yeah that was the only band so far that i've actually been playing any form of guitar in so um yeah i kind of uh i did just find my niche with vocals it kind of you know i kind of got um got onto a good thing doing it and got in got into it and that just kind of took over from guitar but um i still have a have a fondness for guitar and i would definitely like to come back to it and maybe actually play guitar in a project at some point when i find a find the time or a good opportunity for it but um i always i think i've just invested a lot more time and effort into vocals now over the years so it just kind of for the most part, it just makes sense for that to be my thing now, especially because um, Kelvin, who's a guitarist in, in <laughs> Cassius, is yeah, so I, good. I wasn't going to say it's, it, but yeah. <laughs> like, it would take me it would take me a very, very long time to get up to that standard. <laughs> right, right. It's like, yeah, <laughs> like if I if I was ever in a band, you know, like with Kelvin or Sonny, like I would would not want to do either of those things, you know, Um <laughs> Just no, like, like no, nah, I'm I'm good. If you like the way that I sing, then yeah, I'm I'm good. What with what I'm doing? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that that is pretty much how I feel. But it's it's good as well to like it's good to to be held to a high standard by by people you're working with. Like it's yeah, it yeah. may be <laughs> it may be a bit like um uh, I don't know. Yeah, sometimes it can kind 
of um put the pressure on but it also it also inspires you to kind of want to all keep pushing each other to to stay at a pretty good standard as much as you can yeah for sure um oh yeah so just uh just before we move away from talking about guitar as well i started i did start learning guitar before i started um learning vocals i only kind of really started learning vocals seriously when we um talked about starting a band and like it was a vocalist that that um kelvin because kelvin was already doing guitar and we were friends right since right since our mid-teens so the first band we ever started he wanted to do guitar so i was like cool i'll do vocals <laughs> and it just you know you just kind of fall in you just kind of fall into it circumstantially a lot of the time i think um but um my guitar teacher before before i kind of shifted focus was one of the people who got me and um and kelvin as well because i kind of shared all the stuff that this teacher showed me so he he to a big extent is to thank for um us kind of getting into a lot of the screamo stuff as well because okay. he used to uh yeah just by coincidence the guitar teacher i went to was the brother of my hairdresser and that's how <laughs> that's how he got recommended to me so there's absolutely no direct musical connection there but then it turned out that he was actually into heavy music that had a lot in common with the more mainstream sort of emo i was into before i heard any of the underground stuff like uh I think when I first went for a guitar lesson with him, my favorite band was Silverstein or something like okay, that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Who I still love, but you know, it's just a different, a different kind of scene of that kind of uh -huh. music. And, um, and he said, Oh, if you like this, maybe you'd like this other band called Orchid. And, um, and he introduced, yeah, he's the one who introduced me to stuff like that. Oh, wow. And it turned out that when he was younger, he played in a screamo band himself called uh, the mock heroic for a while. Okay, that, uh, you know, I, that name sounds familiar, I, or if I just don't know that that's, it's just so, it's such an appropriate name that it sounds familiar, you know? like It could equally be either. Probably, yeah, probably the <laughs> latter, but like, yeah. Um, yeah, that's really yeah, cool. I, like, I don't think they did many records or anything. But, yeah, yeah. It, it's just, um, it's just wild, like what you know you can find any more you know like what you can stumble across like this band put out three songs and like somebody ripped it off a tape and put it on youtube and you can find it you know like i don't know but um maybe maybe not I, i'll look up that up later uh i'm i'm pretty sure their stuff's on youtube yeah 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 and especially with these especially with like the way the algorithm just like hands you things you know you, you could have accidentally listened to, you know, anything. Um, the closest story I have to that mm. is we're in California and my amp was busted and someone was just like, oh, yeah, take it to this shop, like in this alley in L.A. And we we're like, well, this sounds pretty um, like <laughs> suspicious, you know, and we went down yeah, there. Like, are they going to rob us? Yeah, kind of, you know. We went down there and um, the guy is like, you know, uh, like, yeah, give me a couple of days. We're like, oh, that sucks. Like, we have a show. Like, and he's like, oh, you play in bands? Like, what kind of stuff? We're like, oh, it's Screamo. So, oh, yeah. I used to play in a Screamo band called Angel Hair. I was like, 
holy shit, know. are you fucking kidding yeah. me? <laughs> you know, like your band rules. I've definitely heard of that one. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Pretty legendary, aren't they? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, just those weird random coincidences. Like, that's the kind of shit I love. Um, but, uh, like, so you, um, you've been playing with bands in Kelvin, like, since the get-go. So, like, um, what was your first band, like, that you, like, were sort of serious about and, like, played shows and, and did recordings? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what, what was the first band? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the first, yeah, the first band, I mean, the first band I ever formed um, was with Kelvin, and it was the, that kind of uh, <laughs> deathcore one where oh, okay. it was one of the, you know, one of those kind of teenage first bands where sure, you put sure. a little bit, where you put a little bit of the favorite genres of each of the members into the band and just kind of mash them up, and mm-hmm. it sounds really weird and doesn't work that well. <laughs> um <laughs> Thankfully, we don't have uh, any records from that one that, uh, that I can embarrass myself with. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and um, then after that, it kind of uh, it kind of gradually narrowed focus a little bit more into like a melodic hardcore band called uh, Measures, which put out one one EP, which was pretty pretty scrappy, just recorded um, in the bedroom of like a, a friend's house who we knew who who had some music gear. So it was all super, super low budget, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And um, and that that kind of ha- began to have a little bit of screamo influence, but it was kind of, it sounded a bit more, a bit more inspired by um, some of the melodic hardcore bands that we were into at that age, like um, More Than Life, if, if you've heard them. I have not. Um, I mean, like, you know, as a as an adult going back now, I don't know how well they hold up, but um, I was really into an EP of theirs called Brave Enough to Fail, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a there was a another UK hardcore band that were like um, Boston hardcore style called Dead Swans, who had a an album called Sleepwalkers that we were quite into, which was just kind of like really heavy, screamy Boston hardcore. Mm-hmm. So yeah, our first EP was kind of more inspired by that stuff. And then, um, then half of the members left, and it was just me and Kelvin, and we were getting more into the, the screamo stuff. So we decided to just rebrand, rename the band, and sort of start afresh. Seeing as it was just the two of us, we may as well kind of turn it into a new project. And we didn't feel like that EP represented us anymore. So that's when we turned it into Cassus. I think the first the first Cassus EP was. I think it was just um, Kelvin did the guitar and the bass and I was on vocals and we did have the the drummer from Measures, who was a guy called Chris, but then he left the band quite shortly after that. And then um and then it kind of went from there and and became the Casa stuff that you're probably more familiar with. Right. So was that over, first, just just over time. Was that first thing you're talking about? Was that the split with I don't want to know why the cage bird sings? That was the one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's um Yeah. That's really wild. Like I did not know. Like I was on I was on two whole whole tours with Katie before I knew that Ben was in that band. Oh, like, really? I did what? not know that. I cuz I'd heard them before, you know, just like online and stuff, but I did not know that. Like we're and it just comes out like near the end of one of the tours like <laughs> 
just brings it up casually and and I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't say anything. Like, I'm outing myself about it now. But, like, it, it was just like, Ben, ben is that kind of guy as well, yeah, isn't he? Yeah. He's very, he's very low-key and deadpan about things. And yeah. he'll kind of... <laughs> it was awesome. He'll kind of not mention things that other people might have mentioned a lot sooner. Yeah, well, or just like... it, And, and just like, just modest about it, you know? So it's like, yeah. oh, why would somebody want to hear about that band that I was in, like nobody cares or something, you know, but like, I'm like, yeah, holy shit. That's really cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. It's, so like, it sounds like you kind of, you know, I mean, there, there was obviously a bit of time, but it sounds like, you know, between you and Kelvin, you, you sort of like, were just, there was just like some learning, you know, uh, some, some growing pains or whatever, some learning to do it before you like, we're like, okay, like this is what we want to do. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm always curious yeah, like, to hear like what people's like first like shows were like, like, do you remember like what you'd consider your first show? I am not actually sure what the first official Cassis show was, but it was definitely terrible. Um, <laughs> There was a, yeah, our first handful of shows all went fairly badly. Um, and actually the first tour we ever did, I think, yeah, the the, the, the first official Casa shows were just like a couple of local ones. One was, um, one was like se semi-local in a, in like a seaside town called Lowestoft, which is, um, a bit of a grim place. And, uh, it was like a real kind of macho hardcore crowd there and they were just giving us the death glare the whole time we played oh, and we yeah. felt like we just felt like it was a huge mistake even being there and i think i i i was just recovering from a cold or something so my vocals weren't sounding great anyway and it was just yeah it was not a good experience oh. but um but i feel like the first kind of proper shows for that band really count as the tour we did with i don't want to know why the caged bird sings because they were kind of like that was the first that was the first shows we did that kind of felt like they were in the right scene and like playing to people who might be vaguely interested even if they didn't like it very much kind of thing. Right, right. Um and um and uh yeah, it was like a, it was only like a one week tour, but it was super, super exciting when you were still a teenager to be to you know, to be on tour for the first time ever. And uh we had some horrendous horrendous sleeping conditions like uh there was one student house that we were meant to stay in and there was some like um <clears throat> it was like a kind of party house i guess and some people had just like moved in um unofficially to this house and were like squatting there and all the students were sort of too shy and awkward to kick them out and um it was like this this kind of really crusty couple and um they they just like taken the bedrooms that were reserved for the bands and the, and like the kids who, whose house it was were too like timid to do anything about it. So the bands all just had, had to sort of find spots on the floor in the, um, in the living room and the kitchen to, <laughs> to sleep on because like we've been kicked out of a, we've been kicked out of our designated bedrooms by squatters, which was weird. <laughs> 
yeah, it's usually kind of like the, the squatters that are showing you to the bedrooms. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, but they were like, no, we've taken the bedrooms, so you have to sleep under this table. And I, I literally slept under a table surrounded by used pizza boxes. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, a, that's honestly the condition of a lot of, like, U.S. sleeping arrangements because, like, we don't, like, over here, like, there's so many house shows and the way like the the way the United States like fucking rent situation is like there's like yeah you 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 know you'll play a house and like seven people will live there in in yeah. like not that many bedrooms you know because that's the only way that the financial situation is tenable you know oh, so like sounds- Sounds pretty bleak. Yeah. Or like, I mean, there was one time when, uh, like, I haven't done shows as recent as much recently, but like, there was one time when I had to do a show at my house because I booked the venue and the venue just like closed uh, like a week before the show. And I didn't want to just like put the bands off. So I was like, just do it in my house. I don't, I don't know how it'll turn out, but we can play and we can have dinner and we'll have a good time you know um yeah and so there was like (laughs) there was like uh i don't know 18 people staying in my basement which was like and it's kind of like you know at the time my kids were like pretty young and i'm like i don't know i don't know the rules with like strangers roaming around the upstairs you know when my kids come out to watch cartoons in the morning or whatever. So I was like, yeah, you know, just not like anywhere you can sleep in the basement. Like it's all yours. But like, there was like so many people and, um, like, you know, like everyone had a great time and everyone found some place to sleep. And my basement's actually like, it's really like pretty nice to all things considered. Like when I say basement, like to, a lot of people they might think of some place that's uh just just the dirt you know floor and the concrete walls but mine's like carpeted floors and you know uh, for, uh finished walls and there's two bedrooms and so it's not like all that but there was a lot of people so it kind of was you know it was i was like i i don't i'm not like liking this situation for the for my friends you know but um you know we but sometimes it just has to happen yeah yeah, it? yeah we yeah. we worked it out but um other than that like you said the tour was like it was great like as far as just like you're finally out there and you're doing it and you're doing it with like good people and uh, um like was was it pretty much like after that that you're like all right this is this is a thing like this is what we want to do like make records and do this <laughs> pretty much yeah. yeah yeah so on that tour i mean first of all like you said about good people they they are just really solid good people and it was kind of it was yeah it was really exciting and inspiring to sort of make our first kind of new friends outside of our hometown who were like you know it, doing the same music and like in, into the same into the same stuff in a way that hardly anyone we'd ever met before that had been because we kind of you know we'd just been 
just teenagers in our hometown you know there's there's usually not that many people around who you can really click with in that way so yeah touring with with um i don't want to know why cage bird sings was on the like yeah the the best thing about it was that kind of that sort of social adventure and like making friends with, with those people who who i still really yeah i still think all those all those guys are really great and um yeah, it's always a it's always a pleasure when we get to see KD on tour and stuff. Um, wait, what, what was the question again? I feel like I've forgotten half the question. Oh no, it's just it's just like <laughs> that's that's the when you decided like this is we're really like oh, going to keep yeah. doing this and make make this like a serious like lasting project. Yeah, yeah, it was. I think like we kind of realized that like even though a lot of the shows were very very poorly attended um mm -hmm. we realized that there was that just that small enough handful of people who were like really encouraging and supportive and you know they probably told us we played better than we did i'm i'm, <laughs> I'm not going to be arrogant and say that i think i was good in any of those shows when we first started <laughs> right. but um but you know there, there were some people there who connected with it on some level at least and were like they liked it enough to maybe buy a shirt or something and that was so exciting like selling your first ever so selling your first ever shirt at a show like as a real band kind of thing i feel, i feel like when you when you actually have records and shirts we had the, we had um homemade cassette tapes as well with the yeah. split and um and the fact that people were actually buying them was just that i think that maybe maybe that in itself was the main thing that made me realize that this could be a real thing that there's people out there who are willing to pay three pounds or whatever it was they paid yeah. for our record and um and that was super validating and exciting i think to know that there were people out there who connected and and cared enough to do that and um yeah like the band at that point was just me and kelvin and um the birds band members like filled in for the other half of Cassus, oh, okay. <laughs> which was really, really good of them. And they learned the songs within the space of like a week or two. Cause um, we had a, we had a bassist who like dropped out of the band, maybe a couple of days before the tour, which was a bit annoying. Yeah. Um, Cause he just decided he didn't want to do it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, so very, very selflessly, um, one of the birds guides stepped up and like learned all the songs within a few days and um so yeah the, the casters at that point was technically half their band <laughs> and um and then when we got back to norwich we were like yeah we we want to kind of we want to do more tours and we do want to do more records and then we found um yeah then we found like our first sort of long-term band members aside from the two of us we found um uh just uh, he's not he's not in the band anymore but we found a guy called rick who used to be the drummer of we came out like tigers mm. and um but he'd moved down to norwich and wasn't in that band anymore <clears throat> and we found him and he's sort of he was in the band for i mean when i say a while it was a, a may have even been less than two years but long enough to write most of a record and then he knew another guy who used to play in maths um which was nate and uh, we asked him if he wanted to come and join the band, and it just clicked with that group. And then, obviously, Nate stayed in the band ever since. So, um, yeah, so Nate's actually, Nate's been in Cassus only, like, one year less than me and Kelvin since it became Cassus. 
Right. Um, so he actually he actually did join really early on. It's just that we had a lot of changes in those early days before yeah. we said you know before we found the right people, I guess. Yeah. Um, Rick moved back up to his hometown near Manchester. So um, after that was when we found Sonny, who thankfully. Um, yeah, it was it was a real stroke of luck to find Sonny because after Rick left, we thought that it might be the end of the band just because there were so few people who were interested in that kind of music around. And it took us quite a while to find Rick the first time. So the fact that we found Sonny was like, yeah, it was really exciting and a big sort of relief because we thought maybe, maybe the band wouldn't really be able to keep functioning. And then, yeah, when we found Sonny, that kind of, that was Cassus completed. Even if you had like your difficulties, like with the members and everything, it's it's wild that like, I mean, your first release was dated 2012. So like, you know, just cu coming on to like, you know, nine years or whatever now, like that's that's something. But um, I guess yeah. the fact that you know you and Kelvin have known each other and played music together, you know, for like most of your um adolescence and whatnot that doesn't you know that's that makes it easier i guess uh. it does yeah i guess yeah like cassis is a is being a, a band for yeah for over nine years if you include the time before we put the first release out when we were writing it and then mm -hmm. yeah i was in the yeah definitely both of our entire adult lives we've always been in a band together yeah. which is kind of crazy to think yeah yeah <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, um, so like, you, you know, you had, um, you had 
you had a couple of splits that you started out with, and um, and then y'all did your first LP in 2015. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, and was that with the current band or was that with the previous drummer so the second split was with rick as the drummer um nate nate's been in everything since everything after that first bird split has been okay has been nate and um rick was the drummer on the second split with silencio and um that we recorded that in nate's old uni actually in cambridge he went to it wasn't like the posh cambridge it was like a there's another cambridge university oh, okay. <laughs> i think it's angry ruskin or something and um it was yeah he did a music course there so we um he'd actually finished uni but yeah we, uh, we borrowed one of his friends like student cards and and um basically stole stole the use of one of the recording studios they have there over the weekend where <laughs> where everyone was out of the building and um, yeah, so technically the second Casa split is illegal, <laughs> um, but we got to use some really good quality recording stuff, which was nice. And it was a, literally a zero budget record. Awesome. <clears throat> and um, yeah, then Rick moved moved away. So um, that was about three quarters of the way, three quarters or two thirds of the way through writing the first LP, I think. And um, then we had a bit of a break while we were looking for someone else. And then when we found Sonny, just, um, I can't, I can't remember exactly how we found Sonny now. I think it was through mutual friends. I think maybe Nate had heard about him through mutual friends in Norwich. And, um, yeah, we, we kind of, we kind of found out that there was a, another drummer who was into screamo in Norwich, and then and then when we met up with him, he was he was a really nice person, and we just got on really well, and uh, and it worked. So he he then took over where Rick left off and finished writing the drums for the first LP, um, and recorded all of them. So some of the bits that Rick wrote, Sonny probably changed a little bit to be his to be a little bit more his own style as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so like then, um, you know, that the first LP came out in 2015 and then separation anxiety came out in 2018 and like, whoa, fuck, that's a hell of an album. That's, I mean, just, I, I don't know. I, I remember listening to it and, and just being like, why do I bother writing music? Like, this is ridiculous. And then I actually... For the first time in a while, I listened to it earlier today, and I I just got that same feeling all over again, like uh, just just like floored by it. Um, so I'm really excited to see that I've seen you uh, post online that you're demoing the the next LP. Um, yeah, yeah, we are. Well, firstly, thank you for thank you for these extremely kind words although i feel a bit sad that it makes you feel <laughs> feel like not bothering because i'd i was i wouldn't i wouldn't wish it to have that effect but well but I, I, yeah i mean it's a, it's, that, it's amazing to hear you like it that much it's that thing like you said about pushing the, the things you appreciate pushing you to to do better 
for yourself, you know? So it's, it's kind of that it's like inspiring in a yeah defeating sort of way, (laughs) but, uh, you know, um, I, I think that never goes away that feeling. However, however good you are in other people's eyes. I definitely know that I get that feeling all the time when I listen to a record I really love. Like whenever I listen to define the great line by under oath, I get that feeling because it's just, (laughs) even though it's a different style of music, but with a lot of, you know, there's there's a lot of connections between them, but it's like, you know, the more commercial end of this kind of music. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, there's just something about that record for me personally that just feels almost flawless. You know, there's a couple of a couple of minor things I would would change about it, but like the good songs on it are like they just work perfectly in my opinion. Yeah. And also the the scream like their screamer is I don't know, the sort of the sound and the tone of his voice and the kind of like, it's that combination of consistency, yet also sounding super harsh and like, you know, he's got those really sort of screamo, screamo kind of vocals, mm-hmm. but in a in a way that kind of fits the metalcore vibe as well. Yeah. I, yeah, the sort of, uh, the kind of unique intensity of his voice, I feel, makes me feel like that about, doing my vocals in Casas. <laughs> so, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that, that feeling, you always get that feeling, I guess. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it's kind of, uh, yeah, good and bad at the same time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, how have you been able, like, um, how has writing this, this, this current record that you're working on, how has that changed due to, like, you know, all the um, things that are going on, like, right now with, like, COVID and everything. Yeah, it's been it's been a really shitty year for, for the band in that way because we work, as a group, we work super analog, really. Like, mm-hmm. we seem to be by far the most productive if we are playing in a room together, mm-hmm. sort of thrashing things out, brainstorming, um, criticizing and critiquing each other's stuff like the writing process for Cassis can also get pretty heated and we sometimes have like big arguments and fall out with each other um literally over like the way a song is structured (laughs) (laughs) so um it can be very like it can be very draining but also in a sort of very passionate sort of um I don't know. Yeah. Like we, we throw a lot of ourselves into it, I suppose. Yeah. So that has been super difficult um, for us trying to do things remotely. Like we did a few, we tried to do some sessions over Twitch where like um, Kelvin would live stream, live stream instrumentals. And like, um, we kind of like be chatting, chatting about like song structuring and stuff like that. But we haven't been able to do like a proper band practice since before COVID hit now. So like, yeah. and Cassius hasn't played a show for like a year and a half, maybe more than a year and a half. I don't know. Like, yeah, maybe not even since 2019 or very early 2020. So it's felt, yeah, it's felt almost like the band's kind of been forced to break up, even though we haven't chosen to break up. Um, the third LP is like three fifths written, I'd say. I guess. Yeah. Well over half. 
Um, and we did like in between. So we're on the third lockdown here in the UK now. And in between the first and second lockdown, they kind of lifted restrictions to a certain extent. And we did some demoing sessions in a studio. Like rooms. So we did a few demoing sessions there. Mm-hmm. But Sonny wasn't able to be there because he lives in London and we live in Norwich. So uh, that also, the distance also adds another layer of difficulty to to practicing as a band sadly yeah so uh yeah we've we've done very little over the last year to be completely honest yeah. but we definitely still have the full intent to finish the record once things are back to normal yeah i hope hope we'll get it done like this year but um, yeah. it's really hard to predict at the moment because the lockdown's dragged on way longer than <laughs> the government predicted oh yeah for sure i mean it's it you know it's i i think it's amazing that you know we're able to even like when i mean i'm i'm a bit older you know so like this doesn't apply to you know most people that i chat with or probably most people that would even listen to this but like if you would have told me when i was starting bands as a teenager that you know i would just be able to just like write a song and send my drummer in Washington, the song to like learn and that he could then record the drums for it and send them back to me. Like I would have been like, what, (laughs) you know, like, uh, but that's, that's how like we've been able to function, you know, it's just like, like we have some, some stuff that, you know, we've, we're just finishing just now that, uh, Tom Burkett actually played bass on. And, uh, so it's like, um, you know this the, it, it I, i'm just trying to say like i'm glad that you're three-fifths into it rather than not into it at all you know so there's silver lining there um but mm. one thing that's uh that i guess another silver lining is like since you have had uh, more time to yourself and stuff you've started doing like or i don't know if you were kind of already doing this before um, but I just became aware of it not too long ago. Um, you started putting out material that you're doing completely by yourself, right? Uh, called, is it, do you say it tear or? Yeah, tear, just like, okay. you know, T- crying T-I-R. a tear. Uh-huh. Yeah, I have. Um, and and your guess is right. Yeah, I started, I, I kind of had the idea in mind for a few years, but never quite found the time or money to get it together because i didn't have i didn't have recording equipment Mm -hmm. but when um when the lockdown started and suddenly i wasn't like i wasn't like paying for band practices and traveling around and like doing all the things i usually spend money on i suddenly had like a little bit more money that i could put towards finishing my um my home recording setup but it was like it was almost there already but it was just like that little extra boost I needed to just have a basic vocal recording booth in my bedroom. Mm. <laughs> and um, yeah, and I've been into this this kind of like emo trap style music since about 2015 when I discovered Nothing Nowhere. And um, Kel- Kelvin and Cassis is quite into Nothing Nowhere as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I for a while, like as a vocalist, wanted to explore the more sort of 
melodic and softer side of things just because you know doing doing only harsh vocals for for like a decade in a band it sort of um creatively felt a little bit limiting to me um plus recording uh, recording vocals in a bedroom of a terraced house <laughs> where <laughs> where the walls are pretty thin um it would have been a lot harder to do screamo recording anyway mm-hmm. so that kind of uh, was an, an additional motivation to try a lighter project at that time yeah <laughs> so yeah. um yeah there are a few a few factors that came together to make it happen when it did and um i am yeah i'm super happy that i made the push to get that started during lockdown because it has enabled me to stay active as a musician even when we haven't been able to do stuff in the band yeah and um and also i i spend that time kind of teaching myself how to um mix and master and and record and everything which i had never learned to do before and i we'd always relied on engineers and things and uh we spent a lot of money um recording the last cassis record which i don't regret because i'm really happy with how professional it sounds but Mm -hmm. it is very exciting and liberating to know that i can now you know i've now got enough skills to get things to at least a semi-professional level yeah um from my home demos yeah i mean i thought uh the song that i listened to sounded great and it definitely uh did not surprise me earlier when you said that you're a big fan of silverstein because that's like honestly one of the first things that popped in my head when i was listening to it it was like yeah it's obviously like not quite that you know but i was like this remind this is like if silverstein was more like this or whatever you know um but yeah i, I uh, i'm glad that you heard that in it because uh, uh yeah that sounds like a big compliment to me i'm yeah. still <laughs> i still look up to silverstein as musicians yeah it's um i re- you know i remember i was you know i get i got into that stuff for sure when it was coming out um it always held a different uh it always satisfied a different part of why I like music than, you know, the kind of music that I ever played, you know, but like, yeah, I mean, this it's, but so does Prince, you know what I mean? Like, uh, so does, um, lots of different things, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. It scratches a different edge. Yeah. I, kind sh- of... I shouldn't have said Prince because like, that's just a, that's like an untouchable, like level of you know i should have said someone else that's not like godlike uh but uh, but you know what i'm saying um i i yeah i think it's relevant i mean he's different enough stylistically that it's like it is worlds apart in yeah. some respect yeah it, it's, i just with prince it's just like i would just feel like when i say that it's just like yeah but who doesn't love prince you know it's i'm not the comparison is not quite the same um but um yeah uh so like you were doing that and then another thing that i found out about um was uh is it uh telus effluentia is that how you say it that is how you say it yeah okay okay and that's um yeah got it right that's also First you try. and kelvin and um so i saw that like the the release that you have online was from 2015 but when i went to the page yeah. it said that you played a show like early or or had plans to play a show early 2020 yeah so like yes it's it's a funny band uh 
it's been a funny kind of a funny life with that band it's been very on and off like we had several years where there was not enough band members to do live shows and it just kind of like it was kind of put on the shelf for a few years uh-huh. and then um and then like so we did this ep sort of before we had a full band it was just kelvin me and one other guitarist um and then it took several years already to to find a full lineup for the band and the lineup has already changed several times and uh, at this point i don't even know if uh like we had another record pretty much written just hadn't booked in a recording session mm-hmm. but um yeah it's, it's been a pretty unstable story with that band and i'm still not entirely sure if it's going to keep going or not yeah um Unfortunately, I had a bit of a personal issue with one of the other members of the band over the last year. Um, so, yeah, I, we still need to talk that out a bit and see if it's uh, resolvable or not. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I I did enjoy the the EP. Um, checking out. It's a, it's definitely, you know, like I still feel like I know that I'm listening to the same people who play in Cassis, but like, it's obviously, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're going for a completely different thing. And, um, I don't know. I've, it's I felt like the, I really like, yeah. was like, yeah, this reminds me of like, um, fall of Ephrafa or something like that. Um, but you know, not, not quite, but that's just kind of the, you know, yeah. I was getting. like a more screamo, a more screamo equivalent of that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Without the, terrible vocals <laughs> um, someone's gonna hate me for saying that i'm sure oh, i i I, <laughs> I mean you know i i love that band but um <laughs> i i really like that band too it's just yeah that kind of ruins it a little bit for me there are things there are things about there are things about some of the releases that i feel like it works for them but it wouldn't work for a lot of people for me, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel, I feel to be fair, I should backtrack on, on my uh, blunt statement there and say, just for my personal taste, I'm not a fan of those kind of really crusty kind of sort of um, sounding vocals, I guess. It's just like, I'm sure it is like, it might just be a whole different taste range that I don't, relate to or understand so maybe i should frame it more that way when i say yeah. bad vocals yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, i mean you know it it's um it's all it's probably somebody else's favorite thing you know it's yeah it's exactly the way it is it's so subjective um but like um yeah other than that stuff which you know i mean like you know kind of having like three projects up in the air with everything that's been going on it's like it's, it's uh it's it's unfortunate but like you've had you know more time to start to to focus on your art as well and i know you've been like um doing a lot of uh design work um whether it's like for uh different kinds of like projects online like um i know you were like working on like some sort of like design contests and stuff like that um but um yeah yeah uh what is the best place for people to check out like 
your designs? Is it is it just like your Facebook page, or do you have somewhere else that you showcase? I'd say, I say the best one's my Instagram. That's the one that I kind of keep the most active, which oh, okay. is just um, the username on there is just my name with no punctuation. Um, Natty Peterkin. Oh, okay. Okay. N a t t y p e t e r k i n. If anyone wants to look it up. Awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, that's been. Um, I've been trying to keep that. Been trying to keep that all active at once. It does get a bit. Um, a bit tricky keeping all the plates spinning sometimes. Oh but, yeah, uh, for sure. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like even through lockdown, I've just been like grinding constantly. Yeah. yeah and I'm in the middle of moving house at the moment as well so yeah right very very little time off yeah. for for anybody that's like interested and not sure if they want to follow the link like um i think your style like really brings back a lot of the visual elements that were present in bands like from the early aughts, uh, like Silverstein and uh, Under Oath and bands like that. I th- yeah. And, and uh, I, th- I think that stuff, I think it's already kind of like come back before, but I think it's like really starting to come back again. So like, yeah, if, if, if people know what I'm talking about, where it's like, um, it's not just traditional, like whole front of the shirt type prints. It's like really... Um, calculated and and thought out um measured um abs like not abstract necessarily but um just like uh not some of it is definitely abstract yeah 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 Yeah. um yeah i'm really happy you saw that in it because um yeah that that design style is definitely a big part of my inspiration like yeah, the kind of like early two thousands MySpace uh-huh. screamo and metalcore and all that stuff. And yeah. I, th- I think you're right about it having a bit of a resurgence lately as well. Like there's been a few new kind of metalcore and um, post-hardcore, as in you know the sort of the, the emo, the emo screamo style of post-hardcore. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a, a bunch of new bands of that style that have got quite a lot of hype recently, aren't there? Like. Um, I don't know, like uh, like vein and chamber and um, mm-hmm. static dress, that kind of stuff. Yeah. For um, sure. Oh, if I die first as well, which is like a a super group of a bunch of the like emo trap artists doing a doing a heavier band with the guitarist from first to last, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I just heard that. Like, uh, what was did that come out last year? Or, I, it, yeah, it's yeah. it's fairly recent. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah well um yeah i guess i guess that's um all i really had had to um to ask you about um you know and i usually try to keep these at about an hour um is there anything that i missed that you wanted to chat about um i i can't think of anything no i mean yeah we (laughs) talked about quite a lot of stuff haven't we yeah yeah for sure um okay well Mm. i'm i'm gonna And that was my conversation with Natty Peterkin. Thank you so much, Natty, for taking the time to chat with me. It was no sunny Saturday morning under a tree in Germany, but it'll have to do for now. Until next time, take care and do good things.